and many of us here know about, but, but God is good. And so I just wanted to say well done to our kids workers. Obviously, we never see you on stage, but we know that in the background you're faithfully serving our kids. And again, our five-year-old came home with um, some stuff they, they, they've done in kids work. And when I looked at it, I thought, oh, I mean, this is such good material. It could well fit well in a, in a theology school or something. It was such good material. So I really want to commend uh, our faithful kids workers and say, well done. I think we should give them a round of applause if there's any of them here. Well done for such a great job. Well done. You do, you do an amazing job. And we just, we praise God for, for all of you. Uh, this evening, I'll be continuing with our, our Roman series, preaching from Romans 8, uh, taking a bit of a <laughs> a different twist to the whole story, but I just would like us to pray and then we can read God's word together. Father, I thank you that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. You speak words of love and affection over us. I thank you that we are those who are dearly loved by you. We are your children. Thank you that we are adopted sons and daughters. You have brought us into your family. I ask that you'd bless the preaching and the teaching of your word tonight. Father, would you help me as I serve your church? I pray that our hearts will uh, connect with your truth. Lord, I also want to pray that your word will not return back void, but it will accomplish what you desire and the purpose for which you sent it. I pray, God, that your church will be encouraged and stirred and strengthened again tonight. In your name we pray, Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, and um, from verses 14 to 17, um, this will be my focus for tonight. Hope, hopefully, I'll stick to these verses. <laughs> from verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, um, I don't know whether the verses will come up. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs, of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I think these verses are such great verses. We could just close and go home, you know. It's such, such exciting news, isn't it? But it's interesting that when you, when you just look at these four verses, you, you quickly notice that in in all four verses, Paul speaks about the fact that we are children of God. So he either said sons of God or children of God in every single of the verses in 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then the other key thing that we notice is that closely connected to the fact that we are children of God or sons and daughters of God is the fact that it is the Spirit of God who actually makes us children of God. It is the Spirit of God who, who adopts us into and brings us into the family of God. So it's interesting that Paul will, will highlight these things for us. But as you go on in verse 16, Paul then says that the Spirit of God bears witness 
with our spirit that we are children of God. I love the fact that the spirit brings assurance to us and helps us see the fact that you, you, and you are a child of God. I, I would love to hear that every day of my living life. I, I, I want to hear that every day. God reminding me of, of God by the Spirit. Reminding me of the fact that I am a child. Because I don't always feel that way. It doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You don't feel like a child of God. But the Spirit bears witness with my spirit and your spirit, that we are children of God. And he does that in an amazing way. I love the Holy Spirit. What would we do without the Spirit's work in us? Think about that for a minute. What would you do without the Spirit's work in you or the Holy Spirit's indwelling? I certainly know I would make lots of foolish choices. I know that about myself without him. So he, he, he comes through and he effectively brings assurance of the fact that we are children of God. And um, tonight, basically, I just would want to uh, look at four things that Paul, Paul sets before us. Uh, four key things that he brings together as, I guess, some form of evidence as to how the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so four things from these verses, like I said, I'm taking a bit of a detour, a different way, a different approach to, to these verses. But four key things I feel that Paul would highlight for us that the spirit will effectively bring through to bring reassurance to us. And the first is this, the Holy Spirit leads us into holiness. He is the Holy Spirit. He leads us into holiness. Secondly, in our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit replaces fear with freedom. Thirdly, he prompts us to call God Abba, Father. It's the Holy Spirit who prompts us to do that. And then number four, he's the first fruit of our ultimate inheritance. We'll discover that in verse 17. So let's look at our first points. Then he leads us into holiness. In verse 12 of Romans 8, Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Oftentimes when we, we speak about our salvation, I think we, we effectively shortchange ourselves because often we stop at the fact that our sins have been forgiven. But you see, that is not the full story. God takes away our sins, but he calls us to a life of holiness. It's very important. That's a full, so sins taking away, but then he effectively calls us to a new way of life. And I think that as children of God, we need to underline this and come to this again. Well, God has called us to live in a different way. He's called us to be a different company of people. And so the first thing Paul wants us to know about the Spirit bringing reassurance to us or assurance to us is the fact that the Spirit calls us to holiness. And he says in verses 12 and 13, he says, we are debtors. So basically, we owe, we owe somebody, we owe, we, we owe another person. And he's, he's quick to jump in and say, yes, we are debtors, but it is not to the flesh. We, we do not owe the flesh. The flesh only made us miserable 
The flesh effectively ensured that we couldn't hear God. The flesh ensured that we, we, we couldn't praise God. The flesh ensured that we just led miserable lives. Proud Jesus breaking in by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, we are debtors, but it is not to the flesh. So as children of God, we do not owe the flesh anything. So let's not be those who sow to the flesh. He says, however, we owe the Spirit everything. I love the Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who brings conviction. He opens your eyes. We're singing tonight about Jesus, you're beautiful. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and, and helps us see who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us see ourselves as we truly are in the light of God's grace and mercy. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us see that we have fallen short of the glory of God. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs faith in our hearts for us to reach out to Jesus and say, I'm dying, save me. And it's the Holy Spirit who brings that knowledge of God's grace to us. We owe the Spirit of God everything. What a privileged people. The Holy Spirit indwells us. So Paul says, no, we are not debtors to the flesh. Rather, to the Spirit. We owe him everything. He's giving everything for us. He's coming to our lives. He's done everything so we can overcome the flesh. So therefore, don't live according to the flesh, but live according to the spirit. You see, those who really are justified will put to death the deeds of the flesh because the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Paul, Paul makes it, he says, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Basically, kill sin before sin kills you. It's quite a hard one. But for children of God, Paul effectively calls us to do some warfare with sin. When sin knocks on the door, don't open the door and say, coming, would you like a cup of tea? Before sin gets to the door, deal with sin. He says, put to death the deeds of the flesh. A while back, I was saying that very soon, many would come and they will turn to some believers and say, actually, we tell us, what is your God like? And I feel that in moments like that, God will just say, or these same people will say, or will turn around to these people and will say to them, actually, just look at my life. That is what God is like. Because God is at work in you. If we want to see what God is like, just look at Jesus. Remember, we are the body of Christ. We want to see what Jesus is like, look at the church. If people around us want to know what Jesus is like, they just need to look at the church. So Paul calls us to holiness. The spirit, he leads us in holiness. Secondly, the spirit replaces fear with freedom. In verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The context here is about the fact that we are no longer condemned. Don't, we, we, we haven't received a spirit that, again, brings fear. No. He goes on and he says, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons 
by whom you cry, Abba, Father. So no more fear, because we are no longer objects of wrath. We are now sons and daughters. Fear is gone. You see, the answer to fear is knowing that you've got a father. And children of God, we've got a father in God. And so no more fear. We are sons and daughters of God. When we stood condemned, when we, we, we were objects of God's wrath, we lived in fear. But now that we are no longer objects of the wrath of God, listen, the spirit of God has set us free. He has adopted us into the family of God. He has adopted us to become God's very own. And one Bible commentator says this about, about adoption. He says an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to bear his name and inherit his estate. They were no way inferior to a son born in the ordinary course of life and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character worldly. He makes it very clear. He says that even, in, I mean, some commentators go on to say that even adopted sons sometimes had more privileges than real sons. It was quite a special thing in Paul's time. And he also says that when we consider or think adoption, we shouldn't think about it in today's things, but we should go back to what it was like in, the, in, in Paul's day. It was a special thing to be an adopted son. And that's what the Holy Spirit has done for you and myself. We are adopted sons and daughters of God. Let this sink in. Let this sink in. He calls us to holiness. He helps us. He breaks the power of fear and brings freedom. So let's, 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 let's not live in fear. I live in the freedom that he brings. This is what Billy Sunday says about sin. To just highlight that to us again. He says, listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll headbutt it as long as I've got a head. And I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory. And it goes home to perdition. He says, I'm against sin. Children of God ought to be those who are against sin. And stand for the truth. So he leads us into holiness. Secondly, the Holy Spirit replaces fear with freedom. We've been adopted into his family. We see all the privileges of adopted children. We should no longer fall back into fear because we have full acceptance with God. He loves us. He's choosing us. Number three, we do have this full acceptance from God. And so, therefore, we are able to cry, Abba, Father. This is a deep, heartfelt cry. From the innermost parts of children of God. We, we cry out to God. We do the crying, but it is by the Spirit 
and in the spirit. And it is a cry to our Father who hears us. It is a cry to our Father who, whose ears are attentive to our cry. It is a cry to our Father who loves us and, 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 and just opens his arms wide and he says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things. It's an indwelled cry from the innermost being. So we make this cry, but we, we, the Holy Spirit equips us it is by the Spirit or in the Spirit. It's a special cry from the hearts of the children of God. Both the Spirit and ourselves, we're both involved in this. It's a genuine experience of God's Spirit at work with our emotions. I cannot fully explain it, but it's just something unique that the Spirit of God does in us. And sometimes in prayer, you just know and know that you are beginning to touch something because you're, you're, you're effectively, you know you're just coming closer and touching something and just in the presence of God and your heart begins to connect with the heart of God. He speaks to you. You are open and you receive and you, you just know that the cry is coming forth. What do we cry? He says, Abba, Aramaic for daddy or papa. It's a, it's a love term, I believe. In Ghana, young people would refer to older people as mommy or daddy, even if there's no relationship. And so if I went to my mate's home, I would say hello to their dad. If I was saying hello to their dad, I would say good morning, daddy, or hello, daddy. I would refer to my friend's dad as dad. I would refer to my friend's, it's just a sign of respect. Or you could also say uncle or auntie. So even though there's no relationship, as a form of respect, you'd refer to them as daddy. And so oftentimes you know that there's just nothing in there. When it comes to my two boys and myself, there's a special relationship. And they come to their daddy knowing that this is daddy. Sometimes when I'm in bed, they come and they take the duvet off. Oh, daddy, can you? I'm thinking, come on, I just need to sleep for a few minutes. But for them, they are coming to daddy. And they, they barge into our bedroom and they're running. And there's nothing that holds them back. Why? Because they are coming to daddy. Sometimes I'm carrying my dinner and they run and they are wanting me to carry them. And say, no, no, for them, they are coming to daddy. Hopefully, as they begin to grow, they'll realize that it's hot food and so they would slow down. But there's a special relationship and they can ask for help. They can ask me to, you know, to help them with their writing or their, daddy, could you please help with this? And guess what? When that cry comes, I'm so eager to help. If I'm very honest, sometimes I say, no, go and ask mommy. I'm being very honest. But there's a special relationship. And that's the kind of special relationship we have with our father. And we can come and we say, daddy. One time I took um, our five-year-old to school. We're standing waiting for the doors to open. His mate comes and he runs. He's got a new watch. He says, daddy. Look at my watch. It's Spider-Man. My five-year-old, he's standing there. I don't know where he got that from. He looks at his mate and he says, my daddy has a bigger watch. And then I go, yeah, quite, quite big watch, you know. It was, it was so special. And it, in that moment, I felt God kind of like just show me the way it should be between us and him. For him, yeah, you've got this. Daddy's got that, you know. 
it's you and me, but actually it's not just it's you against me and my dad. This is my dad, and he's got a bigger watch. And God wants us to have that kind of intimacy. It's special, us, his children, our sons and daughters. So we can cry, Abba, Father. Four, and finally he says about us being the first fruits of our inheritance. Verse 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Paul goes on to outline the final two blessings of our adoption. If children, then he says we are heirs. Adopted sons automatically inherit the estate of the adoptive father. So if we are children, then you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Because we're united with Christ. So all that is Christ becomes ours. I, I love God's truth. I really would encourage all of you, please, in your spare time, just sit and work through Romans 8 again. This is just one dimension of these verses. I'm sure God would open things up to you as well. Just take time and read through the scriptures. We are heirs of God. We will inherit all that God's got for us and co-heirs with Christ because of our union with him, special Union Again, one that the Holy Spirit initiated. He says we're co-heirs with Christ. Adoption was for the sake of getting an heir. And so, we will inherit all that is God's. Paul also mentions that we will be glorified with him. The, 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 the end is, is secure. In verse 30, he talks about how we've been justified and we will be glorified. And here, early on, he touches on that. We will be glorified. However, there's a condition. He says, provided we suffer with him. Now, not that suffering ends glorification such that we seek it. So suddenly, we leave tonight's meeting and we're going, because I want to be glorified, I'm going to seek for suffering. No, 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 no. We've already been glorified. If you read uh, verse, uh, verse 30, it says that. However, suffering is inevitable for those who would inherit. That is children of God. It is therefore an identifying feature of God's children. And I just would want to underline this for us. Suffering is part of the package. If somebody says to you, become a Christian or come and follow Jesus and all your problems will end, somebody said in the Bexel meeting, run away. Don't listen to them. Suffering is part of the package. You will face persecution. Peter writes and he says, he says do, not, do not be surprised when you, when you suffer. I'm thinking, what? No, he says, don't be surprised because it will come. And all forms, verse 18, says to us that it is suffering. It's about suffering of this present time. So basically, all the things that we currently struggle with. And I'm, I'm sure that in this place tonight, there are many who face one form of suffering or the other. 22nd August this year, we were in Ghana. It was our last day in Ghana. We were getting ready and parking to come back. 
uh, here. I thought I'd call my, my former landlord because over time we had become really good friends. So I called him on the phone. I'm speaking to him and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, hold on, there's a bit of a slur in his speech. And I said, oh, Mr. Santi, are you okay? And then he said, oh, Sam, I've been very ill for the last year. And then he went on to say, well, actually, the way I'm speaking is the way I walk. And suddenly, I connected that he'd suffered a stroke. So I quickly jumped in a taxi. I thought, no, I really, I'd, I'd love to come and see you. Went round to his house, and I thought, one minute, you are strong and healthy and fit and running around. When I saw him, I was, honestly, I was so close to tears. Nobody knows. He'd suffered a terrible stroke and had nearly died. At the minute, his life had completely been turned upside down. Same day, I'm visiting another friend who had been diagnosed with motor neuron disease. And just a few days back, I was told that he'd also been diagnosed with having some kind of bone cancer. This is a young man I used to play football with, strong and healthy, stronger than me, because he often would shove me all the ball and things like that. Suddenly, one minute you're strong and healthy, next minute, well, suffering is part of the package. And I, I think that the way God helps us is to point us to his son, because Jesus himself suffered on the cross, he died in our place. Cruel suffering, Jesus suffered. And so when we find ourselves in moments like that, look to the cross. When we find ourselves in moments when it feels like it's just us. Actually, it's not just us. But Jesus stands with us because he's walked that path before. It doesn't necessarily mean that the suffering disappears. But the truth of the matter is that he knows and he understands. I've had a condition for five years. I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. It, it hasn't particularly changed. We're hearing an amazing testimony tonight. We will, God has power to heal. It happens sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Doesn't mean God doesn't heal. No, he, he does. He's faithful. He heals. But I think it's just the reality of the fact that the kingdom is not fully here. I am hoping that maybe someday it would happen. It could be that it wouldn't happen. But I know that the end is a beautiful picture because there will be no suffering. The end is a glorious picture because there will be no tears. The end is a glorious picture because ultimately we get to spend eternity with him. So brothers and sisters, let's not just think about today, but let's also think about the future especially when it comes to the subject of suffering. But the Spirit helps us even in our suffering. To finish off, I had two sets of notes today. I think they've all been mixed up now. That's what happens when you speak four times. We are going to be glorified with Christ as children of God. As we get glorified, we will inherit everything. We will get there through suffering and no other way. Therefore, put to death the deeds of the body. Live by the spirit and not the flesh. 
Give yourself to being led by the Spirit. Be in the sway of the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life. So therefore, brothers and sisters, on the back of this, let us continue to cry and enjoy our Abba Father because he's good and he loves us. Shall we pray together? Father, I just thank you that maybe the band can come up. Thank you that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that yet nothing, absolutely nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you know 